This morning, I'm continuing our series called I Am. So we've gone through a few statements of Jesus. He has seven, in fact, in the New Testament where he says, I am, and then he fills in the blank with something that's pretty important for us to consider. This morning, we're going to cover two different ones because they're interrelated um, and they appear in the same chapter. So the title of my message today is, I am the door and the good shepherd. Go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. And if you want to put a placeholder in Psalm 23, we're going to go there a little bit later But first, I wanted to tell you something that I think we should know and we should believe and stand on. I believe we should repeat it from time to time, if not every day, because it builds my faith. And that is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says this. It'll be up on the screen in just a second. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen? Can you say that with me? Just read it with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I find something really interesting about the character of who God is. It doesn't change. He doesn't change. He has no need to change. You and I have need to change. There are things... My wife is laughing. Um, There. Oh, you sure? Okay. Uh, We have need to change, but our God does not. He's always characteristically been a good father. He's been a redeemer from the beginning of time. He's been a creator. He's been a restorer. He continues to be, and he will always be those things. So one of the things that I love about him, that he is, is now, and will always be, is a shepherd. The Bible depicts the people of Israel, and in turn, we understand it to to include the church of Jesus Christ in many ways throughout Scripture. And I'm going to give you three of them really quickly. The first is, we're told that the people of Israel and the church are a family. Somebody, thank God for the family of God. Amen? We're also called a fellowship. That is a place where we can be together, where there's unity in the midst of different opinions, where you can read the same Bible and get something a little different, and I can still be your friend. There is something good about the fellowship of the saints. The Bible tells us that it is good for us to dwell in the house of the Lord together. Amen? I love the psalmist when he says, I I thought it was awesome, I'm going to put it in today's paraphrase, that they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm really glad that you're in the house today. Amen? And the third one is this, that Israel and the church are talked about throughout Scripture, is a flock, a flock of sheep. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, the Israelites are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So I want you to be thinking in terms of that this morning as we talk through John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, uh, out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. It's really simple when you think about it. The shepherd comes into the sheepfold by the door. Anyone that's climbing over the wall to try to get into where the sheep are is a thief or a robber. And those are those, those are the people who are enemies who are attempting to insert themselves into the lives of the sheep. They might seek to call them away. They might seek to steal a few of them. But Jesus says it's only the shepherd that enters by the door. And the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. I heard an interesting story this week in my study. Uh, it's about modern day shepherds in Israel. And someone was visiting there doing a documentary. And he was with a shepherd staying there for days at a time and just seeing how they live their life and things. And they went and they were grazing up on the hillside and other flocks came and gathered there too with other shepherds. The shepherds started what we would call water cooler talk. They were standing there and they were talking to each other and they spent a little while there, let the sheep graze. And then all of a sudden, one of the shepherds just made a noise that was distinctive to his sheep. They heard his voice, they all looked up and they started walking to follow him out of the midst of hundreds of other sheep. And the man who was there just thought, this is incredible, this is really awesome. And then he saw the other shepherd make a different distinctive noise and all hundreds, I'm telling you, four or five hundred sheep went and followed that man. Not a single one went to the wrong shepherd because they knew the voice of their shepherd. That's incredible if you think about it with the animal kingdom. I have a puppy who doesn't understand my voice. And I'm kind of thinking I should turn him in for a sheep. Okay? But this is, I'm sorry, my children are here today. I'm kidding, honey. Um, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, but this is what's awesome. Jesus says he knows the sheep by name. I can imagine being the shepherd, being with the shepherd there on the hillside. And you see one straggler in the back and you say, hey, bucko or whatever his name is. Hey, get with the group. Come on. They know him and his voice, but he knows them by name. There is so much significance in this statement of Jesus that the God who created the universe knows you intimately. He knows the details of your life. He knows the days of your life. He knows the struggles that you face. Such a powerful statement. Amen. Verse 7 continues. So Jesus said again to them, because they didn't understand, so he, he's expounding a little bit more. In verse 7 he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out 
and find pasture. All roads do not lead to heaven. I need an amen from the Christians in the room. All roads do not lead to heaven. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through God's only begotten Son. The Bible tells us that believing on Him, repenting of our sins, and following Him is the only way in. Jesus says that He is the door that we must enter through. Verse 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is not figurative in Jesus' mind. It's not just used for an illustration. Jesus is God's son. He knows that he is going to lay down his life for the sheep. And it's so important that they understood this. I like that wording because he doesn't say, I am like a shepherd or I'm a shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Verse 12, he who's a hired hand and not the shepherd who does not own the sheep doesn't have any investment in the sheep. He's just there for the paycheck. Sees the wolf coming and runs. The Bible says, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf then snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. Continuing on, just a few more verses, verse 16. I love this. This is you. This is right about all of us. Jesus continues, and he says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about us as Gentiles. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. The body of Christ is supposed to represent unity to the world. We need to make sure that we understand, even though it's Baptist and Methodist and Pentecostal and non-denominational and all the other colors that are represented, all the other variations, there's one flock, amen, and there's one shepherd. Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. This is a really important message today because you are a sheep, and you are in need of a shepherd. And if he says that he's the good shepherd, then we need that shepherd. Go with me to Psalm 23. It's probably the most famous psalm in the Bible. It's read at all different sorts of occasions. People in the world who never have darkened the door of a church have heard the psalm in its entirety. It's only six verses long. I want to show to you today and outline to you today, based on Psalm 23, what a good shepherd does. And Jesus, being our good shepherd, how this relates to him saying to those that were gathered there in John 10 that he is the good shepherd. The first is this, he provides. 
In Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3, we're going to read that. And I want you to look carefully. The psalmist, listen to me and remember this while I preach this morning. King David was not born a king. Right? Nod your head at me if you understand. He was born and he was raised in a large family. He was tending sheep. And he was called and appointed and anointed to become Saul's replacement. So David knew a thing or two about sheep. And he says this in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. See, David understood everyone needs a shepherd. And he had chosen the Lord as his. He says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When it says there in the first verse that I shall not want, this is not I shall have no wants. (laughs) I want you to understand how it's supposed to be translated. Because all of us have wants, do we not? All of us have needs, but we have to understand the difference between a need and a want. The term there that's used could be better said like this. I will not lack anything. My shepherd will give me everything that I truly need. And there's a couple things that I see here in the provision of the shepherd that I want to share with you today that I think will bless you and help you wherever you are in your journey. The first is this, and I love it. It says, he makes me lie down. Have you ever dealt with an unruly person? Notice I didn't say child, um, but an unruly person. Uh, Sometimes I have to be told, you need some rest. I go, go, go. Yesterday, I took a nap. I thought it was going to be 20 minutes. It almost was two hours. It was dark when I woke up. I was like, what is going on? My body needed the rest. I love this about the shepherd because he makes us to lie down in green pastures. One of the primary reasons that you should be faithful to attending or joining with the church, whether it's online or in person, is this very phrase that shows up here because it gives you a chance to sit beside still waters in worship and to be able to feast on the green pasture of God's word. This morning, my spirit was lifted. I'm not going through anything incredibly hard right now. Knock, knock on wood, something wood. Not that that works. But I'm not going through anything incredibly hard right now. But I felt my spirit be lifted and encouraged in worship. Can we give our worship team a round of applause this morning? Not a note was off. Every word was right on the timing. Everything. That's wonderful, but here's the thing that was in our service in that moment, and it still is today, right now. It's the presence of Almighty God that makes the difference. I've heard plenty of people sing and make music and make melody before, and I haven't felt like I felt just a few moments ago. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. I want you to think of yourself like an 18-wheeler fuel tank. Have you ever seen them at the fuel at the gas station and they're pumping the fuel out into the ground, into the big tanks underground? You should imagine yourself 
as an 18-wheeler fuel tank that's going from place to place. The stations you stop at throughout the week are your marriage, your family, your work, and you're emptying yourself and you're giving yourself. But then you have a chance to go back to the refinery and to fellowship with the brothers and sisters and to be full again, to sit by still waters and enjoy what God wants to do in your life. Don't get me wrong, daily fill-ups are where it's at. (laughs) You need to be reading God's word and in his word daily, but I sincerely believe there's something transformational about the time we spend together in God's house with his people when we're together as a flock. The second thing it shows me he provides, he restores, it says. He restores my soul. If you've ever had news that crushed you, that was your soul that was crushed. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. Only our shepherd can restore your soul. Substance can't relationships can't, money can't, none of those things can restore your soul. But one moment in God's presence with his touch can restore your soul. And then it says he leads. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does this mean? He leads me in paths of righteousness. Well, righteousness is right standing with God. So if I'm close to the shepherd, if I'm walking in, in hearing distance of the shepherd and I can be with the shepherd, he's not going to lead me down a bad path for me. You say, wait a second, what about the shadow of death and the valleys? He's going somewhere and he's taking you with him and he's protecting you every single step of the way. He leads you down the paths of righteousness. The Bible is very clear that God's people are to be righteous. We need to be those who are standing in right relationship with God. So he provides this to us. You know, something interesting about shepherds is that they never drive sheep. You can drive cattle, but you can't drive sheep. They're stubborn and they will go when they're called and they'll and there's some that are that are a little bit stubborn but they they do not want to be driven this is really important when you think about the shepherds that that are talked about throughout scripture and i love the fact if you're thinking about all the places of shepherds popping up that the news of jesus birth first came to those lowly shepherds on a hillside So number one was he provides and number two is he protects. Look at what verse four and five say. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse five says, you've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies and anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You know what the biggest fear humanity faces is? Death. You're not really afraid of snakes as much as you're afraid of the bite that will lead to death. You're not really afraid of heights as much as you're afraid to actually die. (laughs) Okay? So that's the inherent fear that's inside of all humanity. 
What Jesus did was he took the biggest fear that all of us universally face and he annihilated it. We sang songs about it this morning that he conquered death. Amen. So how does he protect us? He protects us by being present with us in the battle. I want you to think about something. You may have read this a hundred times before and not thought clearly about it. But I've never gotten a spanking from my parents and turned around and said, Dad, your belt sure comforted me. Thank you. I can remember, and I've told this story probably before, but my brother and I were messing with each other, pestering each other in the back seat of a car, driving down the highway. Dad wasn't with us. Mom had called out several warnings. Then she over into the shoulder and she told us to get out and go to the woods and get a switch. I came back with a cute little one and it wasn't good enough. And she sent us back to go get a bigger one. I I don't remember saying to her, mom, thanks so much. You're such a blessing to me. That switch was such a comfort. I want you to think about it like this because It says that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He's a good shepherd. He's not using those tools to hit the sheep. He's using those tools to defend the sheep. He hits the wolf with those things. You say, well, wait, pastor, doesn't he correct? Yes, he corrects. Doesn't it say, doesn't it talk about him breaking the leg or a shepherd breaking the leg of a lamb to teach a lesson? Yes, those things are true. But when we're reading this in Psalm 23 and he says that the rod and the staff, they comfort me, it's because he knows that he's protected in the presence of the shepherd. And you ought to be right beside the shepherd in all times and in all circumstances. This is really, really significant. The other way that he protects us, he blesses us in the battle. You know, I've thought these thoughts before, and probably you have too. Can't he just prepare a table for me after he's killed all my enemies? (laughs) After he's just eliminated all of the problems? God, can't you just take all the pain away? Can't you just take all the struggle and remove it? Yes, he absolutely can do those things. But sometimes he chooses to not do those things and help us walk through them. Sometimes he calms the storm that happens in our life. But sometimes, or more often, he chooses to calm you through the storm and help you weather it. Because he is showing himself to be strong and blessing you in the midst of the battle. He also refreshes us in the battle. He refreshes and strengthens us. You may find it interesting, and I think I've told you this about sheep a while ago. But it says there that they are anointed with oil. It says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is symbolized with the use of oil. But there's something that has to do with shepherding that is here in this this place in Scripture that's really important for you to think about. The Bible says that, and it's true, if you do some search, you can see ancient shepherding, even today, modern times, they do something very similar. It was a practical habit. What they would do is they would pour oil 
on the nose and ears and the head of the sheep. The reason to do that is because they have something still today called nose flies. And these flies gather around where the sheep are, they populate there, and then they've mated and they're trying to lay eggs and they want the warm, moist area of the sheep, which is their nose or their ears. They seek to get in there and drive in their larva and let it fester so that then they can have more. I saw some pictures which were rather disturbing and some videos of sheep being riddled with this and they basically, they go out of their mind. They literally just rub their head on the ground and they're rubbing, they're, they're causing harm to themselves trying to get these things out of them when they're not taken care of. So when the, the psalmist David, who was a shepherd, says of our Lord that he anoints our head with oil. This was a spiritually significant statement that anointing of the head, preventing parasites and preventing those pests from coming in. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit can help protect you from all of the junk that tries to take root in your mind through your mind. So we need the anointing of oil that's mentioned there. You have to understand it's an area of helplessness. A sheep cannot provide itself with this oil. Only the shepherd can do that. Some modern day recipes involve using like olive oil and different linseed oil, flaxseed oil, and some essential oils inside of there to ward off. And now these days they spray their sheep. There's still a coating there to prevent all of those bad things. You and I need the coding of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is not just for kings and priests in the word of God. The New Testament tells us that that anointing, the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he promises, this is the third one. He provides, he protects, and he promises. Verse six says this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The three things that are mentioned there, two are easy to spot. The other is important to look for. Goodness is the first thing. And that word there that says will follow me, there's a good translation available that actually gives you the understanding of not just following along behind like your kids do in a supermarket, or maybe they're like right up underneath you, but it's actually a chasing that God's goodness and his mercy chases us. So goodness is the first, mercy is the second. We need both of those things in our lives. The third is this, eternal life. It says there, The psalmist is confident in saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is he talking about? Is he talking about I'm committing to go to church till the day I die? No, he's talking about being in the presence of God and having the gift given to him of eternal life. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. 
Look up at this verse and read that again with me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That means don't waver, don't wobble, don't. You need to stand firm on this. For he who promised is faithful. He's a good shepherd. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning. All of us need this reminder today that the Lord is our shepherd and that he's not just a shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. He cares for each one of his sheep. There may be moments where you think that you are insignificant, but God knows you and cares for you. Maybe you're here today or you joined us on Facebook or something and you don't know him as your shepherd. You can make that choice and that decision today. The Bible says that we must believe that he sent his son to die for us, that we must repent of our sins. That's turning away from our sins and we must follow after him. You can make that decision today, but maybe you're here and you just need to draw closer to him. Maybe you're like I've been in some times in my life where it's been a little bit more difficult to hear the voice of the shepherd. Maybe you've wandered a little bit further from his voice than you remember. But if you needed that reminder that he's with you in what you're facing, then thank him for that today. Thank the good shepherd that he's with you. Thank him for the comfort of the rod and the staff that protect you and defend you. Remember that he's your source of provision and protection and that he loves you and has made good promises towards you. The Bible tells us that our God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God that he's never, ever, ever forsaken a promise that he's made. So with that in mind and in your heart, would you stand today? We take a moment at the end of each one of our services to give you an opportunity to really just say in your seat where you are, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Chances are you already know. Maybe he's already pegged that thing in your heart that he wants to deal with. But if you need this message today, or even if you don't, but you need to carry it with you, thank him for being the shepherd that he is, that he doesn't leave you or forsake you, that he walks beside you, that he cares for you, and that he provides and protects you. Father, in this moment, I don't know where everyone's heart is and how each one will respond, but God, I'm so thankful that you sent your son to be my shepherd. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of my head with oil. I thank you for the protection and provision. I thank you for the green pasture of your word that's never brown, never dry. I thank you for the still waters of worship, worshiping together our great God. Father, I pray today that you administer to each one of our hearts as we release our burdens and